Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Welcome, you sweet and juicy plum pudding, to another Cop On special. This time you're about to hear from Aaron Barton, a journalist who runs Proxima Jornada, a fabulous English-language blog that gives its readers everything they need to know about the Portuguese League. The link will be in the description of this episode, but do give Aaron a follow on Twitter, at Proxima Jornada 1. This interview is packed with info that I hope you will find illuminating about FC Porto and what we can expect from our intriguing Champions League tie. So thank you so much for listening, and I really hope you enjoy. So, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. Um... Tell the Copon listeners about Proxima Jornada uh, and your history of loving the beautiful game of football. Right. Um, so yeah, Proxima Jornada. This is a fairly recent, fairly recent thing that I've started up. Um, I started up the page sometime last year, but I was a little bit busy with university and stuff like that. So I had to keep coming away from it and going back to it. So it wasn't very consistent. But my well, my love, as you call it, for the Portuguese game. That's been there since well, as long as I can remember. So uh, when I was younger, I was big fan of obviously big fan of football. Still am, um, and being from England, like loved the Premier League. But I always had an eye on other leagues, other European leagues. And I remember watching the Portuguese national team in two thousand and four, a little bit before that as well. Um, so like the golden generation, the Figo and Rui Costa and players like that. And then in 2004, in the European Championships in Portugal, I just, I remember watching and I just saw, I just fell in love. It, it was just everything about the team. It was just the way that they played, the heart that they showed, the talent that they had. That they had. And it sort of made me want to get into not only Portuguese national football, but also the league. So obviously the broadcasting but it wasn't and still isn't great in England, to be honest. Um, so it was sort of as I got older, I was able to, you know, follow it a little bit more religiously. And as you get older, um, start to keep an eye on more teams. Um, yeah, just watching whenever I can. Um, like I said, it's it's nobody has the rights for it, so it's not on Sky and it's not on BT. So it's quite hard to get hold of, but you know, I do my best to try and watch as much football as I can and I try I try to go over to Portugal. I've been over to Portugal before to watch a couple of games. And yeah, I just think it's a it's a league that doesn't really get the credit it deserves. There's a lot of talent in Portugal. You look at some what some of the Portuguese teams have done over, you know, even just re- in recent history in the Champions League, Europa League and yeah, I just think it's a, a really underrated league. Just a league that's always had my heart, to be honest. And, and when people ask for an explanation, I, it's hard to give one. It just, it's just always been that way, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, that's it, isn't it? I mean, you know, if you if you love something, you can't really often say why. I mean, it's a feeling more than anything. But yes, it's it's a wonderful league, a Portuguese league. When, when, whenever I have watched it over the years, thoroughly enjoyed it. And they produce so many stylish players. Uh, João Felix is, is the next one, apparently, from Benfica. But uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about Porto. I mean, they're, they're, they played last night, didn't they, against Boa Vista, same time as Liverpool-Southampton, didn't they? Yeah, half eight. Uh, half eight. My time, English time, um, played against Bolvista. That was a local derby yesterday. Um, 
So both Easter are also located in Porto. So the games are usually, well, you know what derby games are like. They're usually a little bit tense, a little bit. But they managed to get the two 0 win. It's just a you know it's a good win going into it. Um, Porto, yeah, they've 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 been good this year in the league. Um, it hasn't been, it hasn't been as easy as it was last year. And Benfica seem to be running them right to the wire. I think that that title will go. It's similar to the Premier League in a lot of ways. To be honest, City, City and Liverpool. It's, um, a lot of, a lot of, there's a lot of echoes. To be honest, um, Porto were quite a few points ahead, in the same way that Liverpool were, and then it seems like Benfica have clawed their way back, and now it seems to be a real, a real, um, a two, a two club shootout right into the end. So that'll add a little bit more pressure onto the Porto players, being having to compete properly in in both competitions. No, fantastic, um, and uh, you know. What's, in your opinion, what's the step up like between Portuguese league football and the Champions League? I mean, is it is it really as big as people imagine? Well, it, it depends. To be honest, it's it's it, it's a difficult question because the Champions League is filled with so many great teams. But then, if the question is just what's the step up like? Um, obviously, there's there's a step up in quality. But then, if you look at Porto when they were in the in the group stages. Porto recorded more points in the group stage than any other team. Uh, they were un- they went through unbeaten and finished top of the group. So if you ask most Porto fans what the step up was like in the group stages, it was you know, it was difficult at times, but other than that it was it was plain sailing. It was just as it was in the league. They were carrying their league form over into the group stage. They were winning matches, going back to the league, winning matches. They weren't really affecting them to be honest. Um and then, like you said, that that step up in quality only really comes when you get to the later rounds, when you get to the um, the best part of the Champions League, um, the you know the two-legged affairs, and and where all your group teams that didn't qualify start to you know they drift away, they either go into the Europa League or they just you know they end. But I think the first big test was the Roma game, so losing two-one in the first leg and then managing to turn it round with that. That Alex Teller's penalty and recording that victory, that was a, a great win. It was a great win for, for Portuguese football as well, to be honest. A lot of people made um, Roma and Porto out to be, you know, two of the weakest teams. But for Port- for Roma to have been a little bit stronger, so I think it surprised a couple of people that Porto, you know, managed to do do what they did. Um, yeah, a lot of people would, would class Serie A as, as, being, as being the stronger league, the better league, and, and usually... Most football journalists will just base that on, okay, it was a better, it's a better league, so you know they're more likely to go through. But that's not how football works, unfortunately. So yeah, Porto progressed to the next stage, and we'll see. I mean, we we saw the step up last year in in the in the game against Liverpool. When you play against some of Europe's elite, I mean, because Rome is one thing, but then when you come up against, you know, recent, I'm thinking of recent history. Porto came up against Bayern. And they had that that demolition at the Allianz, and you come up against teams like Liverpool and the five 0 at the Dragão. These these teams are in a different caliber. So yeah, there's there's a there's a step up, but I don't think that step up comes you know until the later rounds, to be honest. But up until now, it has it's been it's been a good journey for Porto. They'd be, be very proud of themselves, even if you know even if they they're expected to go out against Liverpool, even if they go out, they've done themselves very proud, to be honest. 
Yeah, that's an excellent answer. That's an excellent answer. And you, and you mentioned last year's uh, tie between Liverpool and Porto. Obviously, that went extremely well in the first leg for Liverpool with 5-0. And then the second leg was 0-0. Um, but what for you has changed from last year, from, from a Porto point of view? Or you could even you know think about Liverpool. What's changed for Liverpool as well? But uh, you know, what's changed for Porto first? Um, what's changed for Porto is I think they've tightened up. So they've they've brought in you know a couple of players and they've they've integrated some players into the squad. So players like Eder Militao, you know he's just it's just been made well a couple of weeks ago been made permanent his his transfer to um, Real Madrid. So he'll be going there at the end of the season. So that just shows you what type of player he is. They brought in. Obviously, brought in Pepe from from Madrid. Pepe's he's suspended for the the game against Liverpool, so I think that'll give it'll give Militao a chance to play at at centre half because recently, when they have Felipe and Pepe at the back, Militao's been pushed out to right back, and I don't think that's where his where his greatest strength lies, to be honest. So it might be a little bit. It seemed like a curse, but it might be a bit of a blessing. Pepe being out, and then apart from that, I think. They'll just have a, a stronger side than last year. They've had a lot of injuries and suspensions recently, though. It seems to be every time Porto play Liverpool in the run-up to the game, things just seem to go wrong, especially defensively. But, yeah, I think I think in terms of, not even just in terms of personnel, I think the way that they, they play has changed slightly. So, I think they've become... Conte-Shao side, the rigid... But they're still fluid, if that makes sense. So they're good at the back, they're nice and strong, and the transition from defence to attack is still is still pretty good. They still play nice attack and football. Yet, you know, sometimes it'll just be a flat four four two, which seems very very old style British at times. Um, but it's yeah, he, he, excellent transitions from from defence to attack. And I just think in terms of, I just don't think Porto will be as naive as as last time. I think that was a big thing. And Porto were missing a lot of players last last year. So that first, the first leg, the five nil, Porto were missing a player. Well, they were missing the best player from each position. So the goalkeeper, they had Jose Sar in goal, who made a couple of mistakes and sort of didn't really get a chance at Porto after that. He got shipped out on loan. Um, so yeah, defensively, I think was it? I think Felipe was out last year. Um, Danilo, who's Danilo Pereira, the centre defensive mid, he's the sort of he's the glue in that Porto side. He holds everything together. He's he's like he's sort of he, he goes under the radar sometimes, but he's sort of when Man City didn't have Fernandinho earlier on in the season and things started to go a little bit awry and it was they had all this attacking talent but they didn't have that that solid that solid glue in the middle just just to hold everything in place and just just to give those attacking players that license. So Danilo he he'll feature, he'll be inside, which is which is massive. And then the same player who missed last time, Abubakar. Abubakar will be out again this time. He was so unfortunate with injuries. He missed last time through injury and he was on fire. And this time, yeah, he's, he well, unfortunately, did this cruciate earlier on in the season. So, yeah, but it, to be honest, it's give a chance for people like um, Tiquinho Suarez, Francisco Suarez to step up. Uh, Musa Marega, he's been on fire in the Champions League recently. But I think if Porto just approached this game not as naive as last year. I think Porto came out and it was like at times they'd never watched Liverpool that season. It was like they didn't know how Liverpool played. They just came to play their game. We're at home, at the Dragao, 
we do what we do. Let's see if Liverpool can cope. But when you come up against a side like Liverpool, you, you can't afford to do that. And they'll have, you know, Porto won't have felt too hard done by after seeing Liverpool get to the final. I mean, you get knocked out by finalists. It's it's not bad. It's not bad, really. They're no mugs Liverpool. But I think watching the games, monitor them, knowing, the, knowing what they face, I think Porto will come with it and especially with the first leg being at Anfield I do think they'll come with a, a bit a bit more of a cautious approach but still maintaining that that spring that counter-attack spring being able to hit them with pace because Porto do possess a lot of pace and to sit back and put 10 men behind the ball wouldn't work because I don't know I just I just don't think that would be the, be, the best plan for those for that type of side because they do have the quality so it's, it's about getting that balance between being disciplined being conservative, yet at the same time, no one when's the right time to go in search of a goal. Yeah, totally. No, it's an excellent answer. It's a very, very good answer. Um, and uh, yes, I mean, you know, we've got to remember the second leg was nil-nil. I thought between the games, um, you know, they, they learned a lot from last year. But uh, you mentioned that, you know, this year a lot of the first teamers will, will, will be available. But there are a couple of other injuries and suspensions apart from Pepe. Yes, um, the biggest one. I think personally is Alex Tellers. So Alex Tellers, he's a he's a fullback. He can Tellers one of those players. He can play all over the park to be honest. So he's he's Porto's. He's a set piece taker. He's he's got a great delivery on him. He's got a good pass on him. He's quick. He's strong. He reads the game very well. He was he was taking a penalty last week in uh, in Natasha um semi final, and as he as he you know, struck the penalty. He's seen like a twinge in his hip and he's been, well, the diagnosis is he's got, I think it's bursitis as it's pronounced or bursitis in his hip. So he's expected to, to miss the game. It's it's a bit of a rush to try and get him back, but I don't know. I'm not sure if if he'll be back, to be honest. Oh gosh, that's really unlucky. Um, well, um, a player, I, player I'm intrigued about is Hector Herrera. Is he available? The the Mexican midfielder, isn't he Mexican? Yes, the Mexican midfielder. No, he's he's suspended. He's um, he's got a yeah, just a disciplinary suspension. So he'll miss the game, which is which again it, it is massive. Is massive for Porto. He's a, he's another one. He's he's an old head. He's experienced. He he reads the game very well. And he, he works very well alongside Danilo Pereira because Hector Herrera, he, Herrera likes to move a little bit more than Danilo. He likes to get on the ball and he's quite technical. He doesn't really get the credit sometimes, to be honest, Herrera. He's been linked with some big clubs over the years. But yeah, I think he's a, he's a great fit for Porto. But um, yeah, like I said, the, the suspension, it's harsh, but Porto are just going to have to deal with it. They're going to have to deal with what... what what they've got, what they've got in, in in the reserves. They've got lots of midfielders at the club. They've got um, Oliver Torres is another one. He can come in and he can operate in a similar role to Hector here, to be honest. The only thing with Oliver Torres is he, he's not he's not that defensive player. He, he'll like to get on the ball. A bit like Herrera, but just not as not as defensive. So it, it depends how Consichal wants to line up. It depends whether he wants to go with the 4-4-2, whether he wants to go with the 4-3-3, or even if he decides to go with three at the back with and play... Um, wingers as fullbacks. So last night against Bovista, obviously with Alex Tellers being out, they've got a huge issue at, at left back with Tellers being out. Uh, Jesus Corona, another Mexican, he played last night at left back, and he did a good job. He kept a clean sheet. He, he came off, I think, on about 60, 64, 65th minutes, something like that. But he, he he gave a good account of himself. But 
again, he's naturally inclined to go forward. So if you've got a fullback like, well, he's not a fullback. If you've got a winger like Jesus Corona playing against Liverpool and is not really disciplined in, in being a fullback, being a wingback, knowing when to get back, knowing when the right time to go and leave and come back against the side like Liverpool with the pace they've got, that front three, I just think, although Corona can match some of the players for pace, it's it's being caught high up the field. If Corona's caught high up the field, you know, it, it's game over. It's game over for, for Porto. So I think it needs to be drilled in terms, if he does play there, what, what he needs to be doing, when he needs to be going, when he needs to be staying. But yeah, it's, it's not... It's not it's not looking great to be honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Um yeah, it's uh, I mean I don't like it when players are injured or suspended like Teles, Herrera, Pepe, etc. Cuz I I you know I love it when it's two full first team 11s playing against each other. So I'm sad about that. But uh, let's talk about you know the positives for Porto. I mean, you know a player you mentioned before is Francisco Suarez who I looked up is the is Porto's top scorer in the Portuguese Primeira Liga. He's uh, sixth or seventh in the list of top scorers. He's got 12 goals this season in the league, 132 minutes per goal. Whereas Musa Marega hasn't been doing so well in the league, but he's immense in the Champions League. He's he scored six goals already with eight goals being uh, the top scorer um, and he's on 118 minutes per goal um, um, so are they the main dangers uh, Francisco Suarez and, and, and Musa Marega or do Porto have even more dangers if they've got more dangers they've got you know lots of lots of good technical players you see Brahimi uh, Otavio Oliver Torres uh, Corona they've got quite you know decent attacking attacking prowess but yeah, you are right. Marega and Suarez—they're they're the two the two men that Porto will be looking for. They'll be especially if they play in the four four two that Conceição likes to favour. So usually play the the flat back four, four midfielders, two traditional wide midfielders, and then and then Marega and Suarez up front. Usually he might he might play one off another one, so not directly alongside each other, but he might play say Suarez as as your number nine, and then he might play Marega, you know, just a little bit off. Just, just, just off, just to the right hand side, uh, picking up those second balls. And Marega, like you said, this this season in, in the Champions League, he's been in incredible form. Um, he's, been, he's just, he's a beast. He's a beast in 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 the in the Champions League. And I think the thing is with Marega last year, the game I always remember last year, obviously because I've got a lot of Liverpool fan friends, people who you know they go the game, big fans, and. They were asking about Marega last year, and Marega was operating more of as a as a winger last year, where he, he he started to play for Porto, and I remember saying, yeah, he's a, you know he's a great player, you you'll you, you'll see you'll see, and and he, I mean he played okay, but he didn't do particularly well. He, he seemed to be he was a little bit isolated, especially without a Bubacar. He was a little bit, um, he seemed a little just a little bit like a, a pace and a strength merchant, but not 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 much else. But I've seen the, there's been a ma- yeah, he's improved massively since playing up front. He his his actual technical ability, I don't think he gets the credit for. I mean, he scores goals because he's in the right place. But some the chances that he makes for himself, he's not just a poacher. He has got that immense strength. He's got the immense speed. You know, he can move. His runs are really good. And when he plays with someone like Suarez. Or in a Bubakar. Obviously, all the Bubakar's out of. Him and Suarez have managed to forge this this good relationship where they they know where each other they can telegraph each other's runs, they know where each other are, and they know what their strengths are. Suarez is better at different things than Marega. 
obviously Menegas a lot more physical and Suarez is sort of Suarez he's he's no slouch either but he 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 uses his, his brain to get into those places to get into them spots whereas Menegas is just his, his physicality is just immense and, and like I said he's he's good with his feet he doesn't get the credit for how good he is with his feet there's a reason why he's you know, I think he's the second or third top scorer in the Champions League this season and you know, he's just been really impressive but Again, it's down to constant shout. Does he play two up front? Does he does he does he play with the four four two? Does he go with something even more conservative? Does he leave one up front and put five in midfield? I just don't know. But I think if those two play, that'll be Porto's best chance of something on the counter attack. Quick ball up to one of those. Get at the full backs. Um, get at Liverpool's other centre half, whoever it may be, whether it's massive. I think. A lot of, lot of teams have been attempting that this season. Is Obviously, you don't want to put yourself at 1v1 against Van Dijk. So, it's attack the other centre-half. Attack the other centre-half. That's alongside Van Dijk. Because it doesn't matter who it is. They're not as good as Van Dijk. Because he, he's just been in a league of his own this year. So, I think Porto will be looking at that. And they'll be looking at exposing that weakness. And not looking at... You don't want to go towards Van Dijk. And you don't want to be on Andy Robertson. You want to be on the other side, if possible. Yeah, no, it's very true. That's very true. So I think that's uh, I would do that if I was uh, lining up against Liverpool. But uh, uh, listen, Aaron, we, unfortunately, we're sort of running out of time now. But it's been absolutely fascinating. I could I could talk to you all day, ask you questions all day about Porto. It's been absolutely enlightening. I'm sure our listeners have enjoyed it a lot as well. Uh, just very quickly to finish, um, have you got any predictions for for both the first leg and the away leg? Oh, I don't. I don't like making predictions. Um, I do. I do think. I mean, overall, I do think Liverpool, on paper, they should have the quality to go through. I don't think it'll be as 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 far like a foregone conclusion as it was last year. I think if Porto, especially with the the first leg being in Anfield, Porto can manage to get a good result in Anfield and take it back to the dugout with Alex Tellez, who will probably be fit at that point if he's not already. Get back, get a good result. But I think if if Liverpool if Liverpool finish the tie in Anfield, then it's done. I think if Liverpool a three 0 or a four 0 for Liverpool, then I think it's done. I don't, I don't think this Liverpool side are capable of conceding four and five goals. I could drag out to to pull it back. But if Porto can come away with it, I mean, even Porto come away with a one with a with a one nil loss, a one all, a two one Liverpool, two one to Liverpool and Anfield's not a bad result. For, for Porto, you get that that away goal. Uh, Roma earlier on in the season, they 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 got a two one advantage over Porto. They still managed to turn it round. So, yeah, I think ultimately you've got to make Liverpool the favourites. But I do think Porto will have a lot of surprises in store. I think if people are expecting another five 0 I don't think it's going to be that. But we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to tune in. Ready. I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad. Well, I hope you are, and I, I hope all all your listeners. I imagine they're all going to be really looking forward to the game so yeah let's hope it's a good one yeah brilliant yeah thank you so much Aaron yeah you're absolutely right I can't wait it's going to be absolutely sensational uh, Ty so thank you again so much and and uh, how can we check out Proxima Yornada how do we check it out right so uh, Proxima Yornada is on um, Twitter so the main I tweet daily that's where I post articles that's where I post analysis, um, transfer rumours, goals, anything to do with Portuguese football, anything to do with players from Portugal that are on loan, um, 
I also do uh, a European lo- like a loan watch. So I look at Portuguese players who are out on loan, um, and I look at players from Portuguese clubs who are out on loan at other clubs. Look at looking back in history of time in Portugal, just giving people that education about the Portuguese league. So that approximately on either one, and Fantastic. on WordPress as well. That's where the articles go up. They got goes on WordPress. You'll find the WordPress through the Twitter. That's also approximately on either one dot WordPress dot com. So there we are. Please do follow all the intrigue of this fight for the Portuguese title via Proxima Jornada, basket loads of pastéis de nata of thanks to Aaron Barton for being such a great guest. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Podcast, or send in your names, addresses, credit card details and passport numbers to coponpodcast at gmail. Don't forget the security number on the back. My name's Owen, and Liverpool are playing in the Champions League quarter-final on Tuesday night. I feel like a Frenchman who needs a waz, but finds himself 50 yards from the nearest public toilet. I just can't wait.